Hey guys, um, just like Jason said, my name is Megan and it really is such a privilege to be able to work here at the house um, and get to work with all of you guys. Um, you have no idea how thankful I am uh, to be here in this place. Um, someone was ask, actually just asking me a couple days ago, if you would have asked me two years ago if I would have even considered working in ministry at all, I would have said, no way, I can't, not me. Um, but look, here I am, and I'm preaching the word, so hope you can trust that. Um, <laughs> um, I am from the smallest town in America called Fayetteville, Tennessee, and yeah, so I grew up four-wheeling and farm living, um, and I decided to go to UTC for my undergrad, go mocks, and... Uh-huh. And I got a degree in biology, and I love science, you guys, a lot. And so if any of y'all, could be rare, but if any of y'all want to geek out with me about some cool, weird, gross science facts, I would actually love that. Um, so you can talk to me. Um, and science is just one of many things that I love. I love alpacas. I love dance parties. I love playing basketball. I love eating food, specifically Mexican food and desserts. <laughs> so if you want to do that with me, you can. <laughs> um, I love laughing, and I spend probably way too much of my time laughing at myself. Um, I probably am my biggest fan when it comes to the humor department. So. <laughs> um, and I love a good competition, AKA I love winning. Um, so, so to continue on with the competition that Robert has set before us, I shall show you the most awkward, uncomfortable picture I could find of myself. go to links to win things. And so I am showing you this. Um, sorry, Robert, it's not from middle school, but I really couldn't find anything worse. So <laughs> there you go. Um, um, and you guys, more than anything, I love my job. I, I really love working here at the house. I love getting to know all of you. I love getting to share life with you. And I love being excited for the ways that God is working in and through all of your lives. So just like Jason said, I am here to hang out with you. So if you want to hang out with me, you want to get to know me, you want to let me get to know you, Maybe you want to go eat Mexican food. I don't care. Um, come find me, seriously. I would love that. And Jason said you can only come to me for one week, but I'm here until May, so come see me. Um, yeah, and um, now that I've told you how much I want to get to know all of you, I guess it's only fair that you get to know a little bit about me. Um, and hopefully through my life and my words, y'all can get to know um, Jesus too. So will you please pray with me? 
Um, dear Lord, please, please send your spirit and let him flood this place. Let it speak to us in this room. Let us hear truth. Um, let us have ears to listen. And I pray that you will stir something in our hearts that will cause us to move and to change and to seek what you have to offer us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for who you are. Um, yeah, we love you so much. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I confess it's hard for me to receive love. Uh, senior year of college, I went on a house spring break mission trip to Seattle. And midway through the week, after working so hard and pouring out all of our energy and care on the people we were serving, um, we got a little surprise. Kirsten, our trip leader, had collected letters for each one of us on the trip from people who mean a lot to us in our lives. And I remember this day so vividly because she handed me my envelope and it was like really big. It um, was honestly kind of embarrassing around everyone else because my envelope of letters was significantly fatter than everyone else's. Um, it really was. And, and I remember feeling like so giddy, like when you're trying to hold back a smile but you can't. And so I went off to myself and um, started opening up the letters. And um, over and over again, I was reading letters from my best friends, the people who mean a lot to me, and they were telling me the nicest things. They were saying things like, I know you are shining such a bright light, and all around you are feeling the warmth because of it. You are a good and loyal child of God. You easily excite others and invite them into the adventures of following Jesus. I know you're showing people Jesus. Everything about you is a gift. People watch and learn from you. They are drawn to you. My dearest friends were making these huge claims about who I was, and I couldn't believe that what they were saying was true. I all of a sudden felt this overwhelming sense, this overwhelming feeling of, y'all don't know who I've been lately. You don't know what I've been feeling or thinking or doing. And if you only knew these things, you wouldn't have written these words to me. You probably wouldn't have even sent me a letter. I was in a season of feeling like I wasn't being good enough at anything. I wasn't being a good enough best friend. I wasn't being a good enough roommate core group leader, student intern, or family member. And I didn't deserve all of these nice things that they were saying about me. I didn't deserve for these friends to even be there. And the person they wrote that letter to was not me. I wanted to ask them, are y'all sure you didn't write the letter to the wrong person? Are you sure you meant those things? And not only is it hard for me to receive love from those around me, it's hard for me to receive love from God. God tells me all kinds of nice things. He says, Megan, you are loved. You are my child. 
Megan, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that doesn't affect me at all. Those words float right past me like they belong to someone else. It's like when you're walking down the street, you're walking down the sidewalk, and someone starts waving, and you're like, I wonder who that's for. And there's a part of you that wishes they were waving at you, but you know they're not. That's how I feel when God tells me these things. It's, I just feel like it's not for me. God tells me, I love you. And I say, are you sure? I'm looking for, around for someone else to receive these words. Are you sure you mean me? I want these words to hit me right in the heart where they belong, but they just don't. Are you sure you love me? And the crazy thing is, y'all, I believe 100% that God loves all of you. And he tells all of you, you are my child, and that's true. And he looks at all of you and he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I don't question it for one second. Am I sure God loves you? Yes, 100%. I actually think he's waving at you. But what if I could actually read a letter from friends and believe the things that they were saying to me and believe that the letter belonged to me? And what if I could read what God has to say to me and I could trust it and I could receive the love he's offering me? Can you put that uh, scripture up on the screen, Ashley? Uh, John wrote this letter, and he um, is called the beloved disciple. He experienced Jesus' love firsthand, so what he's saying is real. So listen up. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is who we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Dear friends, right now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Ashley, can you leave that up on the screen, please? Isn't this everything you would want someone to tell you? Isn't this everything that you would want to hear? John makes these incredibly bold claims about who we are. Right off the bat, he lets us know God has lavished his love on us. God has covered us in perfect love, unearthly love, love that is without sin and without condition. He loves you and he loves me. And this love belongs to us because we are children of God. God is our father. You don't have to question when your dad tells you he loves you because you're his daughter and of course that love belongs to you. So his love belongs to us. And we have access to this love because we are his children. And he chose each one of us to be a part of his family. He could have anything in the world and he chose you, and he chose me. 
And like a good father, he loves the heck out of us. He loves our messiness and he loves our goofiness and our good and our bad. He wants to come to all of our games and recitals. He's proud of us and he wants to know how we are doing in school and what we're having a hard time with. And y'all, it's the kind of love we can't escape. He told us we are lavished in his love. Like we can't be separated from it. And John assures us this is who you are. He restates this because it's a fact. It's not, God is not giving us a nice compliment like, you're my child. No, he's telling us fact, something we cannot argue with. We are children of God and that is who we are. And he goes on, unfortunately, the world does not know us the way God does. And this is because the world does not know him. And I begin to wonder if only the world knew Jesus, maybe they can know who I am and they can know who you are. But John knows who we are and he lets us know that right now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. All we know is right now we are children of God. And we don't even know God fully yet. We get to know parts of him, but we've just scraped the surface. And for me, this is so frustrating because I want to know who I am. And I want to know who God is. But I also feel freedom in knowing that I don't have to know it all yet. And John goes on. There is good news. We can begin to get glimpses of who God is and who we will be right now. But how? We first need to look at Jesus. We will know more of who we are and who he is by looking at Jesus. John says, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And so one day we will see Jesus face to face. And on that day, our knowledge will be made complete. We will truly know him and we will truly know ourselves. And he says, we'll be like him. Wild, huh? I just imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus and like taking a really deep breath and nodding like, yeah, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. All of my doubts and assumptions, insecurities erased and forgotten. This is what will happen. And this is what we have to look forward to. Knowledge made complete in the eyes of Jesus. This is true for all who are in Christ. It's true for me, and it's true for you. Do you believe this? Are you like me, and you're asking, are you sure? Maybe you just think this letter was written to someone else. Some of you may hear this and you believe the truth. You are confident you are loved. And praise God for that. But will you please pray for the rest of this room that we might also believe. 
because many of us struggle to receive the love that God is offering us. And why is it hard for us to receive this love? It's hard for us to receive the love because we are looking to receive love from the wrong things. We are letting all of this junk define what love is for us. It's hard for us to receive love because we don't know what true love looks like. We've been given these terrible, inaccurate pictures of what love looks like. We think love looks like getting attention from guys or girls. We think love looks like parents that don't fight. We think that love looks like getting tagged in an Instagram post that's like really sappy and sweet and it tells us how thankful people are for us. We think love looks like being a part of every invite, every group message, in every adventure. And it's hard for us to receive love because we don't think we need it. We are doing just fine without love. We're independent. I enjoy being the kind of person that's fun and exciting, always trying to crack a joke or be laughing at something. And if you check out my Instagram profile, you'll see in my bio, I love to celebrate life. I believe I live a pretty good life. And I successfully don't really let myself or anyone else into the parts of my life that are hard. I don't like to think about my fears or insecurities or doubts. And I definitely don't want to let anyone else know that they exist. And so when people want to know more about me or they want to ask me how I'm really doing, I honestly don't even know how to answer it. I don't know how to let people into what's really going on because I've been telling myself I don't need for people to love those parts of me. They already love this fun and exciting self and I'm doing just fine without letting people actually know and love me. I've been considering going to counseling for a while now, but I keep postponing it because I'm scared. I'm scared about what I might realize I'm hiding and ignoring about myself. I'm scared about all of this truth and sin I'll have to confront. I'm scared of all the work I'll have to do and all of the increasing amount of life that I'll have to comprehend and accept. I'm scared that once I uncover these parts of my life, I won't be able to hide them anymore and I'll have to welcome my friends and my family into these vulnerable spaces. I'm terrified of the responsibility of being fully known and loved. And I'm actually really scared that I'll find out that I actually need someone to love those parts of me. And it's hard for us to receive love because we can't trust it. 
We can't trust love because sin has distorted our picture of what love looks like. Satan is condemning and accusing us, telling us you don't deserve love. You have too much baggage to be loved. In our depression, in our anxiety, in our addictions, in our doubts are creating a barrier between truth and lie. And we can't trust love because we don't know if it's genuine. If someone tells us that they love us, but then they tell everyone else they love them too, can we really believe it? Or if a friend, or if someone tells us, you're my friend, but then they never ask to spend time with you, is that love genuine? Or if your mom or your dad showers you with gifts and money as signs of love, but then they don't ever ask you how you're actually doing. Or a guy or a girl invites you to come over, but they don't want to get to know you, they just want to hook up. And we can't trust love because we've been hurt by it. We have let someone love us, and we've been vulnerable with them, and we've let them into our lives, and they've left. Your boyfriend or your girlfriend breaks up with you. They just don't love you anymore. Your mom or your dad packs their bags and leaves. They just don't want to be a part of your family anymore. Someone tells you, you're not good enough for me. I really think I could find something better. Why would we want to be loved if it just meant getting hurt? And no matter how hard it is for us to receive love or how much we resist it, we are desperately wanting to be loved. We are craving to be loved. But y'all will never be satisfied and will never feel loved enough because we are looking at the wrong things to receive love. All this worldly junk will always fall short. We're letting the wrong things define love for us. And so if we want to experience love, we must first look at the one who is love and who is truth, Jesus Christ. We must know the one who is pouring out their love, his love for us so that we can begin to know that the love belongs to us. But how? We fix our eyes on Jesus. But what does this mean, right? Does that mean that I have to always be thinking about Jesus? Well, that's hard because he's not here. I can't hear him. I can't feel him or see him. Must I WWJD every situation in my life? I don't have time to always be thinking, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But let me tell you guys, we fix our eyes on things all the time. Think about it. If you have a crush on somebody, you fix that person before your eyes. And you'll always be thinking about that person. You'll always be wondering how that person might respond to everything that you're doing. And you'll always be wanting to see more of them. 
Or if you're looking for a sign, like I should move to Colorado, guaranteed you're gonna see signs of Colorado everywhere. You're gonna see it in commercials, on t-shirts, license plates, in every conversation. And you know why? Because you're looking for it. We can do this with Jesus. We can fix him before our eyes and make him naturally a part of every conversation, every new risk, every doubt and insecurity because he is fixed before our mind. Letting him be a part of our real life so that we can know that he too is real life. And y'all, we fix our eyes on things because we want them. The thing that drives our attention is our desire. And so if you don't want to be loved by Jesus, if you don't want him to know and love you, don't fix your eyes on him because it won't work. But if you really want to be known and loved by Jesus, if you want to receive the love he's offering us, fix your eyes on him. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we can know him. And if we know him, we can trust the love he's offering us. And as we know more of him, we can know more of ourselves, John tells us. And if we truly know who we are, maybe we can feel more worthy of being loved. And we can receive the love. Do you realize how much relief and freedom you will experience when you stop looking at everything else and letting those things define what love is for you? And instead you fix your eyes on Jesus and you let him define what love is for you and receive the love that he's giving you. And y'all, we can let Jesus define love for us because the love he offers us is trustworthy. It's not conditional or biased or flaky. And Jesus knows every part of us. Nothing is hidden from him. And he still loves us. And his words are true, and he is so genuine because, y'all, he's truth. And Jesus is without sin, so his picture of love is not going to be distorted. He actually gives us the perfect picture of what love is, laying down his life for us. And Jesus is so good. And so the love that he has is so good. His love will lead to life, not death. And his love will heal us, not hurt us. And his love is constant. Jesus doesn't change his mind. And his love is still going to be real even when we resist it. Jesus offers us a love that we can have confidence in. So, if you are walking down Cardiac Hill and you see your best friend walking towards you and they're waving, are you going to turn around and be like, huh, wonder who they're waving at? No. 
because they're your best friend. Of course they're waving at you. So why do we not believe that Jesus is waving at us, talking to us? It's because we don't know what he looks like. We don't recognize him when he's waving at us. We don't know that he's compassionate, faithful, trustworthy, loving, forgiving, understanding, and patient. We don't know that he came to heal the broken and save the lost. Y'all, he's looking at us. And if we really knew what he looked like, and we really knew what true love looked like, I fully believe that we could actually trust him when he tells us he loves us. So y'all know what Jesus looks like so that you can know that he's talking to you. My hope for all of you is that you would fix your eyes on Jesus and you would let him define what love is for you. And this would lead to you receiving the love that he's offering to you, he's pouring out for you. And maybe once you begin to receive this love he's offering you, you can then begin to receive the love that others around you are trying to offer you. So, I'm walking down the street and I see someone across the way. And I begin to look a little closer and I realize it's JC and he's waving and he's calling across the street, Megan, just wanna say I love you. It's my choice now. Do I turn around and wonder if he's talking to someone else? Or do I wave back? Jesus waves at all of you. Jesus says, I love you, and he's waving. Now it's your choice. Do you look around to see if he's waving at someone else? Or do you wave back? Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would let us know how much you love us. And I pray so much that we could receive that, that we could believe you when you say that to us. And I pray that when you talk to us, we don't think you're talking to someone else. And when you wave at us, we don't look around to find someone else that you're waving at. And instead, we wave back and we receive the love that you've offered for us. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a God that we can trust in and we can believe in. Thank you for all that you do. We love you so much, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen.